Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. I knew he was burnt out. I didn't know the extent of what was going on. But he texted me and was like, hey, man, you want to come over tonight? In my heart of hearts, I was like, I think that this might be the end of our band. Episode 413 with Dan and Shay. Your thoughts on this interview, Mike? They seem like completely different people. Like the same people, but like just so much like better and nicer and cooler. Like healthier. Yeah. And then you get jealous that you're not as healthy. Me. I get jealous I'm not as healthy. <laughs> but yeah, I... I agree. And they both look different, too. They do. So I guess maybe that's part of it as well. And we go to that just at at the very beginning because it's like, let's get all the really superficial stuff out of the way. Dan, you cut your hair. What the heck? Shay, you cut your body or you lost all the weight. Mm -hmm. What the heck? Let's go. We talk about that a bunch. And they were very open about it. And I do feel good about our conversation about how they really um, got to a point in their relationship where they almost broke up. Yeah. My wife and Dan's wife are very close. And so I knew a lot of that stuff as it was happening, but not my business. I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't know if they were going to break up. I don't know if Dan was like, I'm retiring or hold off for a while. But, you know, I'm glad they really went into it here with me. And I I think that since we kind of have that relationship, they were able to do that a little safer. Yeah, definitely. So we do an hour, over an hour with Dan and Shay. Um, Listen, known these guys forever. They have a new record that's out September 15th. So by the time you hear this, it may already be out. Um, the week it's released, it's not out yet. But I don't know. I don't know what else to say except let's just get to it. They are two of the judges now on The Voice, but they're one judge. They're each half a judge. How does that sound? Yeah, one button. One button, two people. Two guys, one chair. And Shay was very honest about how, you know, he never really thought about being on The Voice and was like, I don't know if that interests me. And then when they said, hey, it may be an option, he was like, it's all I ever wanted to do in my whole life. That reminded me of you. Yeah, that's kind of how it works <laughs> in my head too. So, okay, here we go. The new album, Bigger Houses, coming out. They got a bunch of new great music. They have a mini documentary called The Drive, which came out in July on social media. Check it out. Here they are, Dan and Shay. I've got allergies pretty bad, and I'm not hurting. But if I sound like I'm about to cry, 
That's because we made you so just emotional. It's not because you're here. I mean, it could be because you're yeah. here. Look at that picture looking like over your shoulder, man. It'll do it to you. Yeah, I look at that. And that stays here all the time. Yeah, you yeah. guys just happen to come in here. But this picture's always yeah. up of you, too. I saw it That's in good. TR's interview. I was yes. like, what's that picture, dude? Other people come over, and it's just they're like, why is there always a picture of Dan and Shay in here? I don't know, dude. So, so it's the allergies. Yeah. I, was in, I was in therapy two days ago, and I have a real problem with crying. Not because it's a masculine thing, but because it's a vulnerability thing. And so I always tell my therapist, like, I, I would love to cry more. Like, I would love to not be embarrassed of crying, not because it's a masculinity thing. I don't have a dad, but because, again, I'm just scared of, like, being weak and vulnerable. And my allergies got so bad that my therapist thought I was crying. And I was like, oh, oh you're having a major breakthrough? Yes. It was like, <laughs> and it was like, see, look, see how easy this is? This is working. And I'm like, what? See how, see, like, see, you're emotional. Nobody's judging you. I'm like, I got allergies, bro. <laughs> so that that's where we are right now. Good to see you guys. You too, man. Thanks yeah. for having us. It is, I mean, I'll start, Dan, you're sitting closest. I guess I haven't seen your hair in real life since you cut it. I saw a video that maybe Caitlin had where, there was a deer in your yard and your dogs were chasing it. Oh, dude. And it was the first time I saw your hair because you ran out the, the, the security. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Camera. That was ridiculous. Your hair looks good. Thanks, man. I'm just trying to steal your hairstyle. I don't. Trying to do the thing, dude. <laughs> How big decision to cut it or was it we're finished with this season? This hair was growing for this season. Let's cut it. Yeah, I feel like it was just a fresh start, honestly. Like, the music sounds a little bit different. It was just a, it was an opportunity to, you know, start from scratch and, the long hair was really a hassle. It was a pain. I mean, it was it was a whole thing. Did you have a routine you had to do? Had a routine, especially before shows or before like a TV thing. It's like over an hour's worth of, you know, you wash it and you put something in it, let it curl up a little bit, and then you curl it a little more. It was just a process. I, I was calculating the amount of hours a year I was spending on my hair. It was just way too much. I was getting weeks back when I cut it. And probably a lot of money because you have to buy products or not not cheap. No, they're not. Even for my hair, they're not cheap. And I don't have, I mean, I have. See, I wish I was a hat guy. I look at all these other acts and they're hat guys. I feel like that takes so much pressure off. You leave the house, you just throw on a hat. It's like, man, that guy's killing it. Or even just a temporary hat guy or an occasional hat guy. Yeah. Sure. So if you're not feeling it, you just throw a hat on. Yeah. But not occasional all the time. Because then nice. you're committed to hat. Because if you're like a, like Dustin Lynch, yeah. I'm always like, you know, Dustin hates wearing that cowboy hat every single freaking night he's performing. And he's carrying it around in that little Everywhere. hard shell case. Or, or somebody <laughs> is. And you know, he'd sometimes like to be like, I just like to either have my hair or wear a ball cap. And, and he has you, good hair too. Yep. But you either got to be full hat. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you kinda, can't be somewhere in the middle. It's a, it's like Eric Church in his sunglasses. Mm -hmm. When you see him without it, you're like, what is, what do you, how dare you? You're almost offended. I saw. Like, how dare you not wear sunglasses in here? We were at Pebble Beach together, Eric Church and I. We were, uh, there was before a part three, we were both playing at this part three, like, championship. And I was talking to Eric because he lives near yeah. me. I don't want to say where anybody lives. Nobody knows where I live. So um, we were talking about that. And I just remember thinking, this is not the chief. This yeah. is a guy in a golf <laughs> shirt that's just like, Eric, it's Eric. Wasn't the chief? Wasn't the chief? You know, it was the most like it was the most relatable when I saw him golfing. Which I feel like when you first get into golf, I know that you've like seen this before too. When you're first getting in, it's super intimidating because you just think everyone's way better than you, right? And then you get in, you're like, so everyone just kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching him. I think it was at the Pebble Beach one, and it was just like they went to him right on camera on TV and the broadcast, and he just hits, you know, a stinger. But it was, it was like, it was, yeah, that's what the kids yeah. say. You know, yeah, this is just a stinger. 
Uh, and he just hit it like on the ground, like 30 feet in front of him. And it was incredible. I remember it's the most relatable him, thing. Like, what's your handicap? And when he said it, I was like, oh, you're, you're like me. Yeah. That's what I remember thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I okay. don't really consider it to be anything like me, but I was like, oh, you're like me. Got it. Okay. Um, the, I just want to do all the superficial questions up front. So Shay, at this point, you're freaking ripped. You're fit. <laughs> what's the deal? Like, Trying to get there. Dude. What, uh, what are you doing now? So it, it kind of started out, I was just fasting. I had just, I'd cut out alcohol. So I've been a year sober. Um, and I didn't really set out to do that. Uh, and I was talking to Jake Owen about this cause I know he had went sober and asking him kind of about that. And my life is just better without it. And I started six months was kind of my goal of like, I'm not going to drink and I'm going to do some fasting and just eat whole foods and cut out sugar and all that. And that worked. I, in six months, I think it was, I'd lost about 60 pounds and I was like, well, that was awesome. And I just felt better mentally. Uh, and so after that, I kind of started actually going to the gym with a trainer and started trying to put on muscle. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. My goal is like by next, you know, summer, if we go on the road to just be offensively ripped, you know, like a Riley Green. He's offensively we're annoying. ripped. We're like, yeah. We have to People act are upset. like, yeah, we can't even address it. We're so annoyed by it. You can't even talk yeah. about it where it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why you even walked into this room. Like you should have wore long sleeves. Like we were all talking about it. It's the elephant in the room kind of ripped like a Tim McGraw ripped. I love the comments when Riley Green posts a picture. It's like, yo, man, my girlfriend's on this app. <laughs> like that's the level you got to get to. Well, it's also too, it's Riley or any of the, even Sam or whomever. You're just sure they get it all the time because they are so ripped and so good looking. That yeah. You're like, I don't even want to talk about how good looking or even mention it because they have to get it all the time. It so wasn't the first annoying. time they've heard it that day and right. maybe in that hour. Right. Like people probably just like, te- I imagine they get texted of like, hey, dude, like, what's the deal? You know what I mean? Why are you so ripped? Just I'm, cutting all that stuff. Yeah, just as an, I fasted a bunch. Yeah. Depending on, I try to healthily fast. Sure. Depending on what project I'm working on or even for clarity in my mind. Like I do yeah. find that when I'm fasting, I do think clearer and I don't know if it's because of what I'm not eating or what because of what I am eating or the hours that I'm eating. And I've read a lot of different studies and I've read about um, European soccer teams that have done a lot of fasting because yeah. it's way more of a European thing than it is an American thing. But my, sure. Mike D, who produces this and is like my main guy, I mean, he lost 100 pounds by, yeah. by just going, I'm not drinking sodas anymore and walking. And it went from there. Were you able to see small growth like that? And that's what kind of kept you in? It was for sure. Um, the fasting thing is super interesting because I, I've i read a lot on it. You know, you do all this. I did research on it of like, what is fasting? What are you getting from it? Is it just to lose weight? And there was, at first it was just like the weight loss. And I was also walking. I would walk. I, I told myself if I could walk seven miles a day, that that would do something just to see what it would do. So I was walking seven miles, like on a treadmill or outside, depending like weather, and I would usually end up just walking on a treadmill for seven hours and I'd catch up on my shows and all that kind of stuff because I never had that time to just be in one place. And it just kind of, it fell off. But yeah, I, I saw just the small growth, uh, you know, mentally was the first thing I think that kind of was improved where I was like, I can remember, it sounds stupid, but like I was remembering stuff a lot better and I didn't think that I had like a bad memory. So like short term, especially like I was yeah. just like, Oh, that's kind of strange. Like I know I can remember that, per- whatever it was, like phone numbers from back in the day. Like my brain was just functioning at a higher level. Maybe it's from uh, it no crazy. sugar though too. Like That's the, a big one. Because sugar is such a freaking, it's a killer, I dude. love it. It's the greatest. Awesome. It's awesome. Oh, God, I, mean, I, I would eat it. all day, every day. And sometimes I do, but it's the worst. Yeah. And it's going to, in my, what I've said for a long time about this is, um, and I could be wrong, but in 10, 15 years, we're going to look at sugar, maybe 20, the same way that we now look at cigarettes. And we're like, yeah. 
they just all doctors smoked cigarettes and like said, this is the cigarette I would recommend. Like sugar, 100%. sugar is awful and awesome. At the I same could literally time. talk about that all day long because I went down the rabbit hole of like sugar and what that is and just and I won't spend too much time talking about this because I'll spend an hour talking about it. But the processed foods and things that we have on the shelves, I mean, it's ninety nine percent of the stuff that we have. It's so much junk because it all turns into sugar at the end of the day. And it, it was wild going down that rabbit hole. And my sister did a diet called like the Candida diet, which is like basically cutting out all sugar. And she had Crohn's disease, and, all, and she's talked about this publicly before. Like she's like had Crohn's disease, Lyme's disease. And ulcerative colitis. And she did that with the cutting out sugar completely and anything that turned into sugar. And she got rid of literally all of those things. And it's pretty wild to look at, you know, using food as medicine uh, rather than kind of the first instinct to go to, you know, straight medicine. It was wild to just cut out sugar, what that did for her personally and what it did for me. I mean, just thinking clearer and being motivated. And I think fasting also has a lot to do with uh, a lot of the energy I was feeling and just like the focus. Um, but there's all kinds of science behind that, but it was really, I started to see it in small ways. And then after six months, it was a massive, I mean, a little bit every day, a small percentage, you look back in six months and you, I just didn't recognize myself now, you know, it being a little over a year, I literally don't feel like the same guy. It's kind of wild. I mean, I look completely different, but it also just like the way that I think and approach life and the way I approach music, like I'm obsessed now where it's like, I want to take this whole deal as kind of a athletic feat, you know, to be able to be a musician and we're playing shows or running around on stage. Like I want to take that kind of, uh, approach like an athlete would taking it very seriously of like, all right, our fans deserve, you know, our best performances. And to do that, I need to be at my peak performance of whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be getting shredded, but just being prepared and, and making sure that I'm, you know, taking the time to work on myself in those ways. And mentally is a big part of that. All those things go together, I think. Yeah. Health, mental health. You feel yeah. like it's affected your mental health in a good way? hundred percent. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing I noticed and learned is that your gut health and your mental health, they're the two are so connected that I just didn't realize that ever in the past. And as I kind of gone down that rabbit hole, it was like, okay, I'm eating healthier and now I'm thinking clearly and I haven't had a panic attack in a year and a half. And it was like, there's probably something to that, you know. There was a little relief, probably a month or so ago, because Mike, the inter- uh, this will be when the album is out. Uh, week before it comes out. The week before it comes out. Okay, so most people listening to this, they won't have heard the record yet, but some of it's out. And so Dan had sent me the record and was like, "Hey, he did the thing that I just love the most." He was like. Don't tell me how good or bad it is. Just tell me what song sticks out because I hate when people are like, is it good? Because all they, all, <laughs> yeah. they, all they want is whomever it is. We all want this as humans, right? Yeah. Validation. Yes. Like, yeah. And so then I have to be like, it's good. Yeah. And you know what? It's going to be fine regardless of who is sending it if it's at this level. But Dan was like, tell me what songs stick out. So I definitely take my time with it because I don't really do that. I don't listen to a lot of music that that before it comes out, heck, I don't listen to a lot of music anymore now because there's just so much. And so I just really have my stuff. But I do love you guys and definitely respect you guys a bunch. And so Dan's like, check it out. Don't tell me what's good. Tell me what sticks out. Just straight up. And I was like, oh, I'm so, I told Caitlin, I was like, I'm so glad Dan asked me to do it that way. Hey, you have permission <laughs> always to be honest, though. You know but that. I do. But yeah, no, I know no, how it I is, do. Though. Yeah, for but sure. But it's like everything's going to be good because you guys won't, you guys aren't going to spend the time. Not that you're not going to write bad songs, but you may write a bad song, but then you may not cut the bad song. And if you do cut a song that maybe isn't good, somebody's going to go, I don't think that should make the... Re-. So there's just a sure. lot of gates to get yeah. through. So totally. I knew what I was going to hear was going to be good. So 
I listened to the record three times all the way through. And I'm just like, what pops, what pops? So I sent Dan a couple of songs. I was like, this is my favorite song. This is my second favorite song. And then I just kind of waited for Dan's response. And the one that I sent him, I said, and you'll vouch. I said, save me the trouble is like the best. It's, it's, it's the best. Yep. Like that is such Coincidentally, a, I didn't know it was a single. Had no idea. <laughs> we announced it as a single like three days later. So. <laughs> had no idea. Yeah. And so I, I, I just, I love that. So, I mean, that, it feels sonically different enough to hear a maturation, but not that you're running from creatively who you guys have been. Yeah, that's exactly why we chose it as a first single. Like and that's I, what it felt like to me. It was, honestly, it was so validating when you said that was one of your favorites because we've got so much respect for you as a friend. You know, your ear for music. You took a chance on us before anyone else. You know, and you take a chance on a lot of new music, and you've broken a lot of artists in country music in your time here. And not not just trying to gas you up. It's just the truth. Please you keep, know, keep keep on though. Mike. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. The shoes look great. The shirt looks great. The house man is awesome. Uh, but yeah, that song when you said that was one of your favorites, or you know, the that was favorite. One, that, that was number out. one to me. Yeah, it's amazing. It, we felt the same way. We felt like there was this moment we were trying to go back and forth, pick the first single. And that one was always at the top of the list to us. And there was this one epiphany moment I'm sitting there. I've got the phone on the island kitchen and it's playing. And I heard Save Me the Trouble. And I was like, how could this not be the first single? And that was what I texted everybody. I was like, how could it not be? It was just something about that song that stood out, maybe not necessarily above all the rest, but it felt like it didn't alienate what got us here in the first place. You know, if you've loved Dan and Shea records in the past, it has that, it has the harmonies, it has the, you know, big explosive chorus, but I feel like it was a taste of the evolution, what the rest of the album sounds like. And there were some other songs on there that may have been a little bit more organic or maybe more country than some of the stuff we'd done in the past, which I think it fits cohesively on the project when you hear it in context. But if we had come out of the gate with something like that with no context, I feel like it may have been too much of a shock. So Save Me the Trouble just felt like the right first call and man it's it's been flying up radio charts crazy so yeah definitely good felt a graduation but also you didn't change countries totally You're still in the american school system you know <laughs> i mean it's so yeah loved that and then um the it's called bigger houses so what's why what, what's the why just why as yeah, far as the the, the rec, why name, yeah. name why, of the album sure well, whenever uh, I'll go back, I guess, to that song uh, to give it context. But um, the first time that I heard that song, we were kind of done with the record at this point. We had kind of had all the songs were, were done. And Dan had written this song, Bigger Houses, uh, with our buddy Andy Albert. And uh, I don't know, was it who else was on that song? Andy, Jordan Minton, and Jordan Reynolds. Yeah. So it, it, a bunch of the our boys. co-writers, that, the, the boys. <laughs> and uh, And I hadn't heard it yet. And he was like had sent it over and usually Dan, you know, prefaces any song that he writes that I wasn't on. He'll preface it like, I don't know if it's like that good or whatever, but and then he'll send it. And I'm like, it's probably going to be phenomenal. You know, <laughs> if he's sending it to me, I know it's going to be good. Uh, and I was actually back home in Arkansas and I was visiting my family and I was on the farm that I, I grew up in. And there was just something about hearing it in that context of a place that I learned the lesson the first time of the lesson that is in that song from that was what I was taught growing up, you know, of, of where happiness lies. And it was just a real, it hit me really hard. And I was like, man, we have to have to record this song. Like this is, uh, it's my favorite song that we've ever done. I can say that now after we recorded it, there's just something about it that is so genuine and authentic to my upbringing and kind of where I came from that I just connected with it on a really deep level, even though I didn't write the song, it was just like, man, this is, I, I, 
I would have liked to think that if I, I, I was there in that room, like I, these are the things that I would have wanted to say. And it just resonated really hard with me, which I feel like on this entire album, it was just very representative of like where we're at in our lives. And even the heartbreak songs or the fun songs, it just felt very much where I'm at, you know, songs like then again and always going to be, it's just where I'm at in my life. Um, and it just, I feel like bigger houses sonically, it was pretty stripped back of how we, you know, that song was written of how kind of we write, so we wrote this entire project kind of just on acoustic guitars and a piano and like, there wasn't any tracks like the entire time and nothing against that. You know, that pendulum swings back and forth always. Um, but we just wanted to kind of do it how we had done it in the very beginning of just getting together and telling stories. And I feel like that that song in particular, really, it connected the entire album. It was a song that was very representative of what where we were at in our career and our life and the things that we had been through and where we were focused. And I feel like, I mean, the overall message of the song is, you know, uh, the thing about happiness I've found is it don't live in bigger houses. And obviously it's not just talking about bigger houses. It's the things that we chase after, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having nice things and whatever it is, we all like those things, but it's when you start to set that bar and you start chasing after that high, when you're chasing after a feeling that is an unattainable goal because you're all, that bar is always going to get raised. It's like, all right, you win three Grammys, you can win six. Somebody's won 20, you know, somebody's won 30 Grammys. It's like, there's there's a bar that you can set for yourself in these experiences that you almost come to expect that are just you're never going to reach that goal. And I feel like we had to have that moment where we looked around and we're like, OK, you know what? We need to bring it back, reel it back a little bit. Step one is to appreciate what we've gotten to do in this incredible career that we've had and be thankful for that. And know that moving forward, if we can find joy in the process of making this album and getting to do something that we love we can't control what happens after that, but we can control the process. And if we can find joy in that, we don't have to worry about what happens after that and winning these awards and having all these hits and streams and whatever it is. If you can find joy in those small moments, you don't have to worry about the rest of it. And I just feel like that song, it just really resonated with me. And we just felt like it was the perfect representation to kind of place the badge of, okay, this song represents this entire project as a whole. And, I, and that just needs to be the name of the album. And uh, and it's been really cool uh, so far. I feel like just the badge of Bigger Houses, I'm, I'm really proud to put that song as almost a stamp on the album to let people know like what this album is going to be about and what it represents. Hang tight. The Bobby Cast will be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. 
That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. And we're back on the Bobbycast. I remember watching the drive, the social media document, whatever you want to call it, content. Yeah. I texted Dan. I was like, hey, man, that was awesome. Like... Felt a little uncomfortable. Knew a lot of the stuff that was going on too. You know, our families are close. Sure. But I was like, wow, you got that. That felt so, uh, I'll just say good because it was real and it was honest. But sometimes you can see when it is a bit strategized. Sure. But that was uncomfortable in, in the best way. So I guess my lead into that is you guys were going through a lot. You decided to share it a lot with each other. Totally. Why, why did you why did you decide to share that then and why was it important to put that out there? I think selfishly, it, it was good to share it. The vulnerability, putting your vulnerability out there to the world, I feel like is helpful to us, you know, for personal growth, for growth in our relationship with each other. But, I, you know, if you look back on the course of our 10-year career, everything's been pretty squeaky clean, you know, and, and for the most part, that's what it is for artists. I think there's a big authenticity movement right now, which is amazing. You'd love to see it. You'd love to see people putting their actual heart out there on the line. And I think that's important for fan connection. But for 10 years, it was like only posting the best of the best in the highlight reel, you know, on social media. And I know that's the nature of the beast, but we felt like if we were going through that, there was likely somebody else. And, and also it gave context to this music that was about to come out. So I, you know, there is a little bit of that, but we felt like if we were going through this, there was somebody out there, one of our fans, somebody in the industry. And that was the most reactive piece of content we've ever put out there. Not necessarily in views or virality, but the amount of industry people, managers, artists, writers, just friends, friends from back home texting me like, man, that was really brave of you guys. Like that was inspiring to me. Like that, you know, inspired me to speak up or communicate with somebody that I hadn't communicated with in a while. And I don't know, it was just like the messages that we got, they were long messages too. It wasn't just like, love you guys come to Cleveland. It was like paragraphs, yeah. like people explaining what that meant to them. Um, that was a powerful piece, but it was, it was true. It was honest. It was genuine. That moment, that night we talked about, you know, at my house and what was it? March, 2022 or whatever. That was the most pivotal moment in Dan Shea's career. Like, more so than any award, more so than any song, any show that we've ever done, that moment changed it all because 
for 10 years, you know, life gets in the way when that, when you're going so hard, you know how we were working hard when we started out 150 shows a year, you're on the road constantly. And if you're not going out of your way to work on that relationship, especially in a duo, a duo is such a difficult configuration. I mean, historically, a lot of duos fall apart because it's 50, 50. I think it's harder than a marriage. It's like, it's equal split and you're on public display at all times. And if you're not being open with each other and going out of your way, being proactive with communication, things can fall apart. And, you know, we say in a trio, there's a tiebreaker solo artist kind of paves their own way, but a duo, you really have to work at it. And we weren't working at it. You know, there was nothing people were like, so was there like a specific incident or was there a fight? There really wasn't. And we've said that before too, that there, maybe that was the problem that there wasn't a fight. We weren't communicating, you know, if something was bothering us or, you know, I was being an idiot or whatever Shay was doing something we weren't speaking about it in real time. And we were just like letting things fester. And I think that's where things kind of got in the way and then throw in COVID where, you know, we're on and off the road for that two year period. And it was just such an emotional roller coaster. It was a lot of story to tell. And, you know, Shay and I, once we got to this place after that, we can talk more about that in a sec too, the come to Jesus night at my house conversation. After that, we were just, it just felt like the air had lifted. We were like in such an amazing place, the closeness of our relationship, of our friendship, stronger than ever before. And we would get on the phone. Shay would, you know, come over the house for what we said in the drive was true. Like we made this goal to hang out more, to spend more time together three days a week, whatever. Shay comes over, we pick up a guitar, right? If we don't have an idea, we just hang out, you know, just whatever, watch a movie, do it, do something, just hang out, spend time together. Like we did when we first started. Um, and then Shay would leave and we'd call each other and be like, dude, today was sick, you know, like, or if we wrote a song, it'd be like, that song's sick. And we didn't even know we were making an album at the time. It was just like, and we didn't know if we were going to still be a band. It was like, let's just see how this goes. Like, let's reconnect. Let's be friends again, you know? And, uh, we would get on the phone for an hour and a half. Like there were some nights we were, I remember pacing around my backyard, getting bit up by mosquitoes and, and we're talking for like, I think it was like 90 minutes or something. When I'd look down at my phone, just like, dude, this is like, just feels like a new era, a new chapter. Like these songs we're writing are so fun. Like, what if we like told this story to the world or, you know, and then you, you get asked when you, when you put out a record, the label says, Hey, let's do a day where we go do liners. Hey, I'm Dan and I'm Shay and we're Dan and Shay. And this is what our album is about for each song is track by track. I was like, I think it'd be really special to tell our fans to give context to this album. Like what we just talked about. I was like, if somebody had been recording this phone call that we just had, just us talking about what we had been through, what we're going through, what we're dreaming of, you know, like that is, that sums it all up. And we just one day, she was like, dude, we should just like go for a drive, like get in a car, go out to Kingston Springs. We spent a lot of time out there when we first got going, you know, we couldn't afford a meal. So we had friends who would feed us out there and, you know, it's a beautiful place to hang. So we got in a car, they rigged it up, put a couple GoPros in there, put some mics in the car and we just drove. No managers, nobody sitting there like saying, prompting any of the conversation. We just, I don't even remember where we started, but it was, you know. I think we got lost about six times on those back roads and we, we legitimately drove for hours. Yeah. And it was like, it took a second to get going because we were, you know, we knew that we were being filmed, and so we had to like settle in, and we're like, "All right, dude, let's just talk." And then we talked for like three hours, and we used so little of the content; it probably took them forever to go through and find usable pieces because we really just ended up having that conversation of just like talking through exactly what because that that conversation literally sparked. I was like, "Man, I wish people could just hear that." Is the context of the album what we just had on this phone call? And we, I was just like, "Let's just go for a drive," and it really. 
one of these days we'll probably put out some more footage of of the drive because it was director's cut all of it. the director's cut all yes. of it that'd be a long that'd be a movie half uh, of us is like <laughs> is that a cop behind us you know yeah. like stupid stuff like that but. yeah half of it was there was like this big camera like going on i was making sure i didn't hit anybody while filming this that would have been really bad but it was awesome to kind of also rehash that it was another one of those moments in our just our personal lives that we were just a couple of guys out in the middle of nowhere driving, talking through the craziness that was our career over the last 10 years. Sometimes when I make a change in my life, it's got to be because it gets to a point that is so drastic that I can realize it. Yeah. Where it's, oh, I'm not in a good place. I mean, when I went to on-site, I wasn't in a good place. So I, I, it took me to actually hit, we'll call bottom. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, when my mom would go to rehab, she would hit bottom and then she would go, would you say in you guys' relationship, because you got to hit a bottom to get to, to actually have the desire to get out of it or to get back in it? That's a great point. If you never hit that rock bottom, you might not realize that something's right. wrong or that you need to make a change. And Is I, that it for you guys? I absolutely hit rock bottom. I'll, you know, speak on my side of the story and, you know, shake and speak on his, but that date was December. It was like first week of December of 2021. So this was when we finished the arena tour, you know, you work your whole life to get to a place where you can sell out an arena tour. We did, we put that on sale in October of 2019, you know, when 10,000 hours with Bieber came out, put this tour up, sell out MSG. We sold out Staples Center, two nights at Bridgestone, like all these bucket list milestones. We're riding high. It's amazing. And then boom, COVID happens. It's all gone. And it's like, man, what a, that, that'll mess with your head. So we're juggling that for a couple of years. We finally get back out there. We did the tour, shout out to our team and, you know, everybody out on the road, the promoters, you know, and the fans for hanging on to those tickets. Like it, it was a tremendous success given the circumstances. Um, but I think I was chasing a lot of the wrong things, you know, speaking to the bigger houses thing a little bit comparison. We all, we all know that comparison is the thief of all joy. And I think we all get caught up in that, especially when everything is so on display with social media. You know, you can look at stats, you can look at likes, everything is just so right there for you to compare yourself to to the best of the best of what somebody else is putting out. And I think I was caught up in that in a crazy way on social media. I was, you know, being a content guy because we're too stubborn to have somebody help us with it, which we need to change that at some point. But, you know, we're on on the biggest tour of our lives and I'm like, well, crap, you know, we sold out last night. Let me make this video of us doing, you know, we're in Tulsa at the BOK Center and I'm like, we got to get this content of us like jumping in the crowds here and that stuff's all cool. But it was like all to like let the industry know that we're out here doing well. And I was chasing that too much and not enjoying the moment. I was like maybe looking forward too much to what was next. And I just really spiraled. I it, it made me resent music because I wasn't doing anything that was related to music. It was like all in the name of trying to get content. And it was like I was not appreciating the fact that there were fans there singing the words back to us. And it wasn't appreciating the fact that I was getting to sing with my best friend or play with our band who we grew up with. Like all these incredible, incredible moments passed me by. And December, you know, came around 2021, we finished the tour in Boston and I got off stage more like defeated than I had ever been. And you know how it is. It's like, it's really hard to be in this position and I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about it, but I think that's why a lot, there's a lot of mental health issues and depression in our industry, because if you're really struggling with some, something to the, to the public, you feel this responsibility to be a superhero. You feel this responsibility to be unbreakable, you know, like on stage, you have to be like, this is the best night of my life. When in, in deep down, you could be like, I'm really hurting right now, you know? And this was before we knew to talk to each other, to to be open about it with our fans. You know, this is a whole new chapter in an amazing era, but that moment 
I got off stage and I was like, I'm done. I don't know if I could ever do this again. And I didn't really say that to anyone. I think Abby kind of knew it, but she is so patient, so incredible, so encouraging with me to kind of work through these issues, you know, work on myself. And I came home from that and I like literally laid on the couch, you know, I'm always going, always doing something just, just like you, man, always on the move, always grinding. And that was like the first time in a long time that I just kind of laid there for like two weeks to process everything. I was like, I might be done. I might retire, whatever, move back to my hometown, figure it out. But like, I've, I'm burnt out. It was like the most, ex- most extreme burnout I had ever felt. And I, I felt like I needed to get myself right first before I made any progress with Shay and our relationship, whether we were going to keep the band together or whatever. It was like, I needed to get myself right on a personal level. I need to fall back in love with music. And I, you know, after doing a lot of soul searching, I realized that previous year I'd written four songs total. Two of them were Christmas songs. Two of them were for another band. And that is the thing that brings me the most happiness and fulfillment is creating, being in the studio, making music. And I wasn't making any music. And I was like, maybe I start there. So I went out on this little trip for, there's a band called the Band Camino, good buddies of ours, killing it right now. They did a little writing retreat for their album out in Colorado. I was like, you know what? I'll head out there with the boys. It's no pressure, you know, like not writing for Dan and Shay thing where we're saying like, okay, we've had these kind of hits. We need this thing. It's like just a little bit more free form. And if I don't get a single song out there, I'll get to go skiing. Like, it'll be fun. So I did, wrote a couple songs and I was like, this is fun. Like, there's no pressure. We're not writing for a specific, you know, Dan and Shay thing, like just making music for the sake of making music. And I came home, did the same thing with a couple other buddies. I was like, just trying to do it a couple days a week. And I was like feeling so elated. I was so happy. Once, you know, that went on for a couple months and I just got to this amazing, amazing place. And I was like, you know what? I got to get myself right with Shay. We were about to go out on tour with Chesney, which is stadiums, bucket list tour. I mean, that's like for a support slot, that's the pinnacle of it. And we had that booked and I came to this place. I was like, I got right with myself. I owe it to myself. I owe it to Shay and I owe it to Dan and Shay, the entity to figure this out, whether we end this band and we ride off into the sunset, we should go enjoy playing in these football stadiums, or this could be a launching off point for the next chapter. And I was like, I got to hit Shay. We got to have this conversation tonight. So I called Shay and I was like, did you know that's what I was calling you. Like, did you No, I mean, and I hadn't talked to him, you know, and so yeah, this was right. a, this, it was kind of a conversation I had kind of knew his kind. I knew he, you know, kind of how he felt of like, I knew his burnout. I didn't know the extent of what was going on. Uh, but he texted me and was like, Hey man, you want to come over tonight? And I was like, okay, I, he wants to talk about something. I thought it was like, this is going to be kind of it. Honestly, in my, in my heart of hearts, I was like, I think that this might be the end of our band. Uh, and I was like, yeah, man, when, you know, when do you want to do this? You know? <laughs> And he was like, uh, I can come over there right now. And I was like, oh, okay. He wants to talk like right now. <laughs> and then I was like, I mean, talk about a pa- full-blown panic, you know, because all this stuff started coming up. And I was like, oh, no, like I was not prepared. This was like a normal Sunday night or something. And I'm like, I'm going to – I told my wife, I was like, I'm I'm going to, to meet with Dan. And, I, and we didn't really talk about it. And we both kind of looked at each other like, I think I'm going to go end my band with my best friend that I haven't been close with in several years. It was just kind of this whole understood like, this we'll deal with this one. We'll deal with the wreckage when I get back, you know. And I just remember driving over there, just like sweaty palms, being like, "Dude, this is this is heavy," you know. And I was like, "This is getting me emotional, right? This is yeah. to teach you how to." I'm, this is just my thank you juice. for giving yeah. me an example. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Thank you. Uh, but I was like, "Man, this is like the last ten years of my life is about to end," you know. And this is about we're about to, you know, whatever. 
And I get there and it was just like this, you know, what's up, dude, you know? And I remember we sat there and Dan just like starts to apologize for like the last 10 years that prompted me to apologize for stuff. And, you know, that's the long and short of it. We sat there until I think I got over there at like maybe, I don't know, 730 after I put the kids to bed, I went over there. We stayed up and talked till like three in the morning and just hashed through all of these things. And a lot of that was like, all right, we need to really appreciate like what we've gotten to do, whether we continue to do this band. It wasn't like we were dancing around the fact that we both were kind of feeling like we don't know if we're going to do this anymore. Um, but it was like, man, let's, let's ride off into the sunset either way. Let's Dan and Shay is always going to be, was something that Dan said. He was like, we're always going to be a tattoo on somebody's arm. Always going to be a first dance song. And I was like, that's great. And I remember like, cause this was kind of after we had had our like really heavy talk, you know, and, and we had kind of gotten the, the tears out and all that kind of stuff. And he, I remember like watching him like grab his phone and type in that title, you know, and I was like, that's a great title. And, uh, and it was just, a, it was just an incredible night, man. It's like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people are, are scared to, to say, you know, like, oh yeah, we got together and then we cried, like just a, a couple of friends. That's, that's pretty lame. Like no one would want to say that out loud, but like it was, man, a lot of tears were, were shed and a lot of stuff was really figured out. And it wasn't like we figured out all of our problems, but acknowledging that it mattered enough to both of us that we would try. And it was just after that, it was our plan of action was to, all right, let's hang out three times a week. Let's get together and let's have no agenda. So you focus let's on just the fundamentals of the relationship more than exactly. what the relationship could do. Exactly. It was, let's make sure we do the relationship. Let's be, let's be friends again. Cause I feel like that's something that people don't see from the outside. It'd be very easy to be like, yeah, we're in a band. And I feel like every duo in history, especially in country music, I mean, we've had so much devastation, you know, that is wreckage that has been left through different duos, friends of ours that have, that have very publicly happened. And what you don't see is like the behind the scenes stuff that is just like their friendship is if that gets wrecked, it's just a matter of time. That's a ticking time bomb of, you know, your, of your band separating because you're just going in different directions. And even though Dan and I are, are such different people at the core, like on every level, that's the reason that it works is because we have extreme respect for one another. And even when, you're, when your lives are kind of going like this, it's so important to kind of realign yourselves. And even though like, you know, I've got three kids at this point, Dan's got dogs, we've got our families, like we have our own responsibilities, but acknowledging like, hey man, I respect the hell out of you for what you're doing. And I, no matter if I believe the same thing that you believe or not, I respect what you believe. And we both have this band in common and we have our fans in common. And I think the world needs to, it needs to view that too. You know, it's like we have so much, you know, separation in our country and all these things. And it's like, no matter, I feel like when I was growing up, that was kind of the message. Like, all right, you believe this and I believe this. We're going to scream at each other and then we're going to go grab a beer, you know? And I feel like that's kind of been lost on the world a little bit of the the value of a good fight. You know, that's the next video that's coming out. Uh, it's the follow-up to The Drive. It's called The Fight. It's going to be really good. Uh, but I feel like it was, you know, we had to learn to respect each other enough to have those hard conversations when we knew that if things are if I have a problem now, like it's even happened in the, like the last, you know, six months or so where we're like, okay, this is, I, I think we, th I, this is how it should be. No, I think this is how it should be. We talk it out and it's like, awesome. This way is clearly better because we both care. We want the same thing. And we learned how to like focus that stuff and really put a focus on communication, just like in any marriage would be, 
if you just don't talk about something, that's how us guys most times like think like it's, it's I fixed our, it. It's our issue too. Yeah, where I, I don't, fixed I don't it. say anything about it. Yeah. I let it live and then I just keep pushing it down. But my wife knows she has to go and get it because I will not. Yeah. So and exactly it, doesn't, how it doesn't put her in a great place. And I don't like that. I'm like that a lot of times. But I'm, I'm and also I feel like I can fix it in my head myself. Sure. Totally. And just like, I'm going to go and fix it. I'm not even going to tell you the process, but I'm going to come back and it's going to be fixed. Yeah. Yep. And that gets me in trouble. But it's, you're right. It's a relationship. It you is. guys, marriage, also your marriages to your wives. Like one on one's tough, regardless of the situation. It is. The Bobby Cast. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. This is the BobbyCast. Do you guys, one-on-one, on stage, do you have, and maybe they're not absolutes, but do you have signals like, hey, cover for me, I need to go and pee or maybe not pee. But <laughs> I wish. Like on the no, show. We need to. Me and all my guys, they, they know my little, they know if, it's, if if I'm holding up a finger for this, if I tw- twirl my hand for that. At this point, we've been together almost 20 years. Like we've been doing it for for a long time. Yeah. If I do a little of this, they know go longer, go shorter. I got to turn my mic off. I got What is that relationship like with you guys or even a quarterback and a wide receiver where you're on stage, you're performing, you're playing the game, but you got to cover for each other, but you really 
don't say it. I feel like it, it goes unsaid. I feel like it is so lockstep. We find ourselves like jinx, you know, so many times, like thinking the same thing, saying the same thing. On stage, I feel like the chemistry, it's just like the show. I mean, it just, we've thought about like, should we have a hand signal if like one of us needs to get a drink? But I know when he needs to get a drink and same same goes. It's just the eye contact, we lock eyes. Like, okay, cool. I know something's going on with his in-ear pack. He's going to run over. I'm going to get on the mic and find somebody with a sign in the crowd and buy him a minute and a half or whatever, you know, those kind of things just, you spend that much time together. It's uh, and and also it's a chemistry thing, man. It's something we noticed when we first met, you know, I'd never felt that making music with somebody before in the writing room, we would finish each other's sentences. Sentences. Oh, see, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, right now. Yeah, right now. It's wild. It's crazy. I'm in too. Oh my God, I do it too. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Dan and Shane and Bobby. Oh, no. Now we're good. And now Mike's involved. It's crazy. No, man, it's a lot of it goes unsaid. We're learning that. Uh, I, I could probably say this. We started taping the voice. You know, I know it airs next year. Um, but we started taping the voice and there's one button. We're in this big chair that's connected. And there's one button. And we were like, dude, we got to come up with some like signals, like two taps on the leg. And like we had these grand plans we were going to make because everything's like cameras in your face. You're mic'd up. You know, everything is is fair game. And uh, we had these grand plans to like make signals whenever we liked something, we were going to hit it. We kind of forgot to do that time got in the way and i feel like it's still so lockstep if we're like we look over cool and we hit that button. i can read the panic on dan's face yeah my <laughs> my hands are twitching i'm like i don't know about this i hope shay doesn't push the button and then we don't do it but yeah man you spend that much time with each other and and there is just a you know intangible chemistry between the two of us when we're on stage or we're writing or singing harmonies i know when you're gonna go for a high note or i know Coming out of chorus too, if you know we've been singing a lot and you're going to go for a chill version, I'll back off on the harmony. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those things you. It's almost creepy sometimes. Like we, it's like the twin thing. I mean, this has happened especially on, on the voice. I noticed it the most because we were doing a lot of you know you do a lot of interviews in between. You know the whole deal. It's a whole process, and it was so funny because that we would literally say the same thing at the same time, and I was like, we do this a lot, and it's creep. <laughs> like we can't even use those takes because it looks like. Oh, we say the even like responses. Rehearsed. It looks like rehearsed. Like I mean, there'll be things like you know someone's talking to us, and you know we're in an interview, and we're like, for sure, for sure. At the same time, we're not like, what is happening, dude? It's like oh, we're just kind totally, of like look at each totally. other, like totally, totally, because you spend you know your all of your time with someone, and like we're we're in the same conversations, and you just kind of learn. It's like a marriage where you're like you get you kind of pick up each on each other's lingo and things that you say, and it's like. Almost to a creepy point, like at the same times, like when someone gives you a question, because we're getting those questions all the time. And so it's like our responses just get ingrained in our brains. And it's kind of weird. And sometimes. But it's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> awesome. We did it again. Oh, my oh, God, man. dude. It's it's this is what we got to add a picture to that. Oh, yeah. my God. No one's going to believe this. Um, <laughs> when you started putting this project together and you weren't writing to really write a record, you were just writing to write and you were gathering good songs basically if i'm right always going to be was the first song from this project that made the project like as far as like a timeline of all of it the first song you wrote yeah that was the first song we wrote for the record uh i think it was yeah it was the first one we recorded first one we had a mix on um yeah that you know shay mentioned it earlier but that night when we were talking we were like we got to figure this out our fans the industry, everybody that we've come in contact with, they we owe that to them. They deserve that. Because Dan and Shay, it's always going to be a tattoo on somebody's arm. It's always going to be a first dance at somebody's wedding. It's it's going to be a moment for somebody that whether we break up or not, Dan and Shay is always going to be. And like Shay said, I wrote that down on my phone and I was just like, that's that's a special sentiment. And, you know, obviously we evolved it. We brought the girl in in the song. And um, 
you know, just made it more of a life thing. But we're really proud of that song, man. It's a special one, and the fan response on it's been amazing. But yeah, that one kind of set the tone for the rest of the record, aesthetically, sonically. Um, I I don't know. That that song is just kind of like the backbone of the record. That bigger houses and then again, I would say, yeah. are kind of the ones that those three songs are kind of those three connected. I mean, when I think about the album, those three songs, and obviously a lot of the other songs are are in the middle, and I, there's some of my favorite songs not in that list, but those three songs kind of wraps up the album to me because just the lyrical content and sonically of kind of where this project was going. And, and we didn't, we didn't think too much about like, you know, we knew that there would be somebody being like, what are these guys are trying to be super country now? And it's like, this is the stuff that we grew up on. Like we've been doing this a lot longer than you've been hating on it, you know? And it's like, (laughs) I think that this kind of traditional country sound has, has come in and, that very naturally, there's some songs on the record that, were, that are a lot more country than we've done in a minute, but that's what we've been writing since the very beginning of our career. Uh, and long before we met, you know, is the stuff we were influenced by, Brooks and Dunn, George Strait, Alan Jackson, Kenny Chesney, all these people that we were influenced by. And it was just so much fun to, and it was it was interesting for me too, to kind of take a, a backseat and, and watch how Dan's production has has grown over the last 10 years. I mean, it's like we started at 507 and we were making these horrible, you know, like demos. They were atrocious. <laughs> and then that just evolved into him. I mean, Scott Hendricks says he has the best ears he's ever heard. And Scott Hendricks is the most decorated producer in Nashville history and probably of all of music. I mean, he's this, you know, he has crazy good ears and is so good at finding songs and all this stuff. So for, for him to say something like that about Dan is just one testament uh, to how how good he is. But Watching that evolve and kind of hearing how this sound has evolved for this record, because it is very, it's a lot more country than stuff that we've done in the past. It sounds, it's a little bit more of our first record. Um, and, and a lot of people have kind of referenced that, like this reminds me of, you know, early Dan and Shay with what we fell in love with you guys with. And I think that is just because on that very first record, there was no agenda. It was two guys that were very poor getting together and loving music and writing songs together. And that's, we stripped everything back to that. We just were getting in the room and we're like, all right, let's write a song. Not because we have to, but because we get to do this for a living and because we love to do it. And it just kind of turned into this this thing. And the sound that came from that was just very organic. And it wasn't like, all right, let's try to make this this. It was like, all right, we're going to get in the studio. We're going to play these songs. Most of the time we would get in there in the studio and just like play it acoustically. Sometimes we didn't have a demo for a lot of these songs. Played it on acoustic guitar and we went in and we played it. And it was just these incredibly talented musicians and it just turned into what it turned into. And I'm so proud of how it turned out and I'm so proud of of how Dan has evolved. And this is definitely your best work uh, so far. And it was just it was cool though as a as a fan of of music to have a record that sounds like this that I'm like yeah, I'll put my stamp on that for the rest of my life. You know, I I am so proud of this album over any, I can say that over any album we've ever done. I've loved, obviously you, they're like your kids. You like your songs, you know, you listen to them and you're very proud of them. But I think as a whole, not just the songs and what the product was at the end, but the process that it took to get there. I've never been more proud to be a part of something in my life because it changed, it changed everything for us, just the process, but also just, in my life, I've, and I've said this a couple times recently, but it's something I realized throughout our band and throughout like our our life as a band. You know, we kind of we grew up. Obviously, we both got married, and then we I've got my kids and all this stuff. And I kind of had my family life, and then there was my band life. 
and it, there were two very separate things. You know, you kind of live your life in those two separate train tracks. And it was for the first time, I remember after hearing, you know, Bigger Houses, getting the cutback for that and always going to be. And then again, in these songs, and I was like, this is the very first time that I feel like my personal life and my band are fully connected. And this is exactly what I'm going through right now. I'm going through what Bigger Houses is talking about. I'm I'm spending summers now in Arkansas again with, you know, back on the farm and I'm listening to these songs being like, this is the stuff, like it, whether it was like a lesson that I learned or like the girl that I dated in high school, like I'm here in this place of these lessons that I learned. And it was just an amazing uh, final puzzle piece of the evolution that I've kind of been on personally. And it just kind of, it all kind of came together perfectly. And I don't know, this just, it's such a new step for Dan and Shay, our band, but also like our lives. Like we're just, I don't feel the same that I did, you know, a year and a half ago. I feel like this is such a step forward and a breath of fresh air. And I just think that it's so genuine from us and it's so authentic to us that I'm not, we were never worried about like, are people, what are people going to think about this? Are they going to think it's too country? Are they going to think it's too this or that? And it, it, it just never crossed our minds because we loved it. And at the end of the day, if you love your music and you're proud of it, that's that's the win. And if you know your fans are going to love it, I'm not worried about what people on the outside, if they if they don't like it, they don't like it. But if you try to write an album that you think other people are going to like, the haters are going to like of like people being like, this is not country. Like if we're trying to make a record for them and we end up just hating it, then like you said this before, like then everybody hates it and you hate it. And so what what was the point in that? And I think just trying to approach this record with a very authentic, uh, you know, passion for wanting to write songs that we loved and that our fans would love, the result that came out of that, even if this record never came out, this is always going to exist in in our hearts and our minds. And I know, obviously, it is coming out, but I think our fans are really going to feel that throughout this entire proje- project, not just in a couple songs. I think they're going to feel that through what it took to get here. It feels like, at least for me when I was like the most beautifully, creatively reckless is when I had nothing to lose. Sure. Because what are you going to do wrong? Who cares? Yeah. You just do what you want, take big chances. But then once you start to have some success, well, I don't want to me- mess it up. Then you have more success. And you're like, boy, if I mess it up now, I'll really... So then you start to adjust what you're creating and how you're distributing and who's listening and why. And all of a sudden you're doing 12... Le- I struggled with this for years and years. But then with you guys, it feels like when you finally kind of recalibrated yourselves and yourself, it was almost back to that point where, what do we have to lose now? We, we, <laughs> yeah. we got to the low. <laughs> we learned yeah. to let go. Yep. So you know? it's like we almost, heck, we almost broke up. Yep. So why don't we just go do what we want to do? Worst case scenario is, well, we do what we might have done anyway. But it feels like that's that beautiful, creative place that you guys are in now where you just get to create and you're not putting pressure on what you might lose but instead, you're kind of putting it on what you might gain because you're being truly you. Also, with shows, too, we've only played a few this summer, but we're going to play a lot more next year. But playing shows, I feel like in the past, it was always like, okay, it's got to be picture perfect. And we do take a lot of pride in making sure 
we're choreographed. It's like if we spent money on this light hitting here, like we should make sure that we're standing <laughs> that there. Light. Yeah, exactly. Also, the fans deserve it, man. These ticket prices, like they're expensive. It's expensive to go to a concert now. People deserve the best that we can give them. But I feel like in the past, it was always like this overly competitive thing trying to be like, all right, we got to kill it here at Madison Square Garden tonight so we could come back and do MetLife next year. Like we got to just keep going. Now I feel like there's, there's this sense of freedom when we get on stage. It's like, dude, this is sick. Like... Our shows have gotten longer because we get on, you know, in between songs and we're like, man, this is unreal. Look at you guys. <laughs> between every man, song. Every I song. You. Can you believe it? There's Can some guy like, just play tequila. Believe it, dude. Here. You just said this 11 times. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. So maybe our showmanship's gone down, but we're having more fun up there than ever before. And I don't know. I feel like being in that place is more sustainable than anything. You know, I feel like when you let go like that, you make a great album or you put on a good show and that's what gets you to MetLife or that's what gets you to win the awards or have success. And if you don't, at least you had fun in the process. And at least you created something that you believed in. Because again, I got into a place too where I was like, I don't even like that that much. Yep. And when it would not do well, I'd be like, it didn't do well and I didn't like it. <laughs> I'd rather it not done well and I'd have loved it because yeah. then at it's least I would have loved it. It's exactly it. At least one person likes it. Yeah. At least I would have been like, that really was me. And because then you're just questioning like, if I just done it the way I really wanted to do it, like yeah. a TV project like that, where I'm like, I didn't want to do it like this. And I kind of fought, but then I gave up fighting for it. And then it would just do okay. And I would go, man, I don't really like it. And everybody else didn't either. <laughs> At least I wish I would have fought for what I really liked. Yeah. For sure. And, and I'd rather take that pressure too. too. Like yeah. I'd rather take the pressure of like, rather than try to blame falling on somebody else. Like I would rather be like, okay, we and this happened on tequila. You know, our, our label, a lot of people were like, we can't push this this ballad, you know, after, you know, we had pushed another single and it, we, it, you know, we thought it might be a hit, but we knew it was going to take a long time. And we were like, man, this is, this is not it. And when I heard Tequila for the first time, I was like, this is a single and I don't care who is going to try to stop me. Good luck because I believe in this so much. And it was a ballad and it was like, just, it was like the wrong time to probably put out a ballad in most people's heads, you know, thinking like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work, but I feel like. I was so okay at that point where it really felt like we have nothing to lose. Yeah. And it was like, nah, dude, we're going with this. And I really don't care what you guys say. This is the song. Because I know I can stand up on stage with conviction and sing the hell out of the song and make people believe it. I'd rather do that. And it's my fault if it doesn't, if it fails. And I'm okay with that. I'm fully okay with that. If you stand behind your art, you're willing to kind of go down with the ship. You know, but I, at least I'm the captain, right. you know, and I can go down proudly with that. You're happy to and that was your own our boat biggest hit. sink on somebody else's boat. <laughs> True. Exactly. True. Yeah. And that was our biggest hit, you know, and it's like, not that you're trying to, you know, be freeform for the sake of gaining the success of that song, but I just think that you're much more likely to have those authentic moments when you, like you said, you just let go and you're like, I don't care if someone doesn't like this. I love this, you know, and I'm, I'm willing to do that. And, Honestly, a song like Save Me the Trouble was was very much that way for me. I felt like it was the perfect, like, you know, it, it felt like it really kicked down the door rather than like, I hope you guys like this offering that we have. It was just like, nah, it, this is sick, dude. <laughs> like, I think this is absolute <laughs> flames. And I'll tell everyone <laughs> that on the street if they'll listen to me and I could stand behind that and be like, I, don't, I really don't care, dude. Like, I, you, you hear these notes? These are sick. You know, like, I love this. Like, I'm going to go perform the hell out of this. And that was a good feeling of like, I really don't care if, if people like this or not. I really hope they do. And my insecurities are going to really come out if they don't. But I love this song and I'm okay with going down with that ship. And again, it's it, we had our biggest ad day that we've ever had on radio. And again, it's not 
I didn't do that as a formulated thing. It just was like, I have, we have nothing to lose. Like this is, I'm proud to put my stamp on this. And that's just a, it's a really fun place to be because you just stop worrying about what people are going to think about it. You just kind of like, no, I'm, I'm doing this. And I feel like you get less heat from, from haters when you kind of approach life that way. Cause at least you're like, at least you're doing it on purpose. And they know they can't affect you that much if you're not. Exactly. If you're just kind of like, suck it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> suck totally. it, dude. Um, okay, three final questions. Just talk about The Voice for a second because, I mean, I don't know. You just, boop, Dana Che on The Voice as the main chair flippers. <laughs> you know, because Chair flippers. Yeah, you guys had been on before, though, but right, as like helpers. Have you ever been on the, you, like you've been on Blake's team? Yeah, we did the like mentor that. thing. Right. So it's when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, that's cute. They're going back to mint. Then I was like, oh my, I told Kay, I said, oh my God, they're freaking going to, I was so pumped for you guys. So how did that come about? Man, that's one of the craziest opportunities. We're very grateful to the team at The Voice for for extending that invite. We got a, a text one day. It was like out of the blue from our manager, Jason. He's like, hey, I would really like you guys to meet the producers of The Voice. Like they, they love you guys. It was like, Sure, man. Because, you know, that kind of gig is like everybody in every genre is going after it. I knew they were trying to replace country, but I knew they had already gotten Reba. I was like, there's no way they're going to get Reba and another country act. There's so many. I mean, it's just like who's who. You know, all those chairs are all like A-listers and then us. Um, We went to this meeting. We went to this breakfast. I think it was at the Thompson Hotel. Sweetest people ever. And we just, we were ourselves. You know, we told them the ideas that we had. We were like... What if there was like this double chair, you know, we shared this big chair and one button. I feel like that's a cool dynamic that hasn't been, I think they had done it maybe in Australia or another country. They hadn't done it in the US. I felt like that was a cool idea to shake up the voice a little bit. Um, And just, I don't know, there was something about us being ourselves there. And I think it did well when we were on with Blake. Uh, Blake was like the king of the voice. So anybody who goes on with Blake's going to look good. Um, But we didn't expect anything. A couple months went went by, I was like, Surely they gave it. To, they probably already taped the season. Oh, that so we you were, didn't hear. For we, a while. we didn't hear for a long. And this Not was a, to give context. This was kind of after we had really like gone through everything and we're like doing you know crushing it as friends again. And this was like it, honestly for me. I don't know if you felt this, but like I never dreamed of or had that dream to want to do a show like this until we got that text message and I was like, yeah, it's my only dream. It's my only dream. I've never dreamed of something more in my life. Every day he was group texting oh me and Jason my God, like, yo, dude. any updates? It's like the meeting was yesterday, <laughs> dude. Bro, I, I've never had so much anxiety on something. And I, it was good because thank God that we had prepared for this because I had lost all this all this weight and was like, all right, I'm, I'm glad at least like if we're going to be on TV, it's going to be now and not like a year and a half ago whenever I was you know, eating everything that my eyes touched. And I was like, as soon as we had that meeting, it went really well. And we're like, you know, these people are super, super sweet. And we did go into that meeting being like, man, it, it is what it is. Because the, the conversation was like, not like, hey, they're auditioning you for the part. It was like, would you guys ever even be interested in this? And it literally started in my head. I was like, yeah, I mean, that would be, I think that would be cool. And by like 7 p.m. that night, I was talking to my wife and I was like, if we don't get this, I'm going to be wrecked. <laughs> he bought a house in LA. Yeah. It's a whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I was so like... I didn't think that I would want to do this, but now that I'm thinking about it, this makes so much sense. I feel like we would do, be so good at this and I would really enjoy this. And I was like, I mean, pacing. I mean, this it took months for us to get an answer at all. And I think I was going back to Arkansas at that time. And my routine for like that the few months that we didn't know anything was like, 
work out in the mornings, think about the voice for six hours, hang out with the kids and then go to bed and then text in the middle of that. I'd text you guys about 17 times being like, any update? Have you heard of them? Have you been following them to their house or anything like that? And so it was a, it was a whole thing. But after, uh, I think I was in Arkansas when we got the news and, and Jason had texted us and we kind of gotten some updates. We knew, we found out like, okay, Reba, she's taken, taken the gig. We knew that she had had an offer out there, uh, but they had met with everybody like these A-list celebrities and we knew we were having conversations with and i was just wrecked like my stomach dropped and it was like man that's a real bummer like why did you even text us in the first place why do we have the meeting you know because i was like i was living life we were absolutely killing it having so much fun just everything was good again and then you drop this on our plate and dangle it in front of us and if we don't get it it's gonna really suck but Dan and I would have like these therapy sessions every night. Like, hey, it's, it's okay. If it doesn't happen, it's like no big deal. Maybe it's for the better. We probably shouldn't even do the voice. That's a horrible <laughs> idea to do. And it just, it, it came through. And long story short, we got a text message. And uh, I think, I think uh, Jason said, do you have time for a call? In my stomach, I about Oof. crap my pants. And I was like, this is going to be one way the, or the best other. or the worst day yeah. of my life. Yeah, one way or the other. And I, sure. honestly, I think that there was an Arkansas, it was I can't remember, maybe a baseball game. I, I don't remember what it was. It was a Razorback game that me and my brother-in-law were like watching together. And I'm already like, you know how it is. It's like, I get so invested in Arkansas Razorback sports that I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's badminton. I'm like, this is, it's a pretty good season for him, you know? <laughs> and I remember I was already like on high alert and we got that text and I was like, oh my God, this did, is going to be crazy. Did you guys test it all? Did you test it all? Or no. Did they just... <laughs> Met you? No, that was the. That's why I didn't think we were gonna get it. Yeah, we never did. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they had gone down the road with somebody else. Maybe the mentor thing we did, and we'd been on the show a bunch of times yeah, performing true. and stuff before. But yeah, it was crazy. And then once they told us, it was like dragged on for months after that for the announce. It was like, guys, we're thinking they'll announce by Thursday, probably oh, three. The... We should have a graphic by like Wednesday that's at tough. noon. And it was like. Thursday at three came around and we had no graphic. And, and until there was there's no, no announce, it doesn't feel like <laughs> exactly. they're actually committed 100%. to it. And there's this still was, time for them to pull yeah. out. This was like a long time. It was like, we should have something by Friday. You know how it is. It's like, we'll have something by the end of the week. We'll have like an official like announcement. And then, cause we were trying to like balance that. We were about to announce the album. We were about to put out a new single and it was like, uh Oh, it's getting kind of dangerously close. And then it did happen within like a week of each other. Cause I was like being quiet on socials, you know, trying to let it die down and do the thing. And, and then it was like, oh crap! The voice announced like three days before the single. I was like, it's too big to not post about it. So, and we were asking too, like for pictures of the double chair, you know, because we were like, I don't know what this even looks like. And I remember texting uh, our day to day manager. I was like, have you heard anything? Like, we were supposed to have a picture of this thing like a week ago, and they're like, yeah, they've made it. It's a whole deal. It's gonna be awesome. I'm getting you. I'm getting you the picture tonight. And so like, I'm just like waiting. Finally, like we get this email, and I was like, oh my, this is gonna be so sick to see like our name on the back of the chair, the whole deal. And it was this cartoon animated rendering of what the chair was going to look like. And I was like, guys, is this a joke to you? All right, this is the only thing I've thought about for the last seven months. How am I supposed to you know, go on without this? But I would have been so anxious with no announce because I would have no just announced thought, totally. I had this before. It yeah. changed like, If they haven't announced it, that means they're not fully committed because That's right. until you go public, yeah. they don't have to say anything if they change their mind. Yeah, once they, <clears throat> once they went public, it was on. That's we were awesome. chilling. Yeah, yeah, it was great. But it finally happened and Jason had called us, how would you like to be coaches on The Voice? And I was like, I mean, my the color drained from my face. I passed away for a couple of minutes. Arkansas lost and then it was a great night. It was St. Patrick's <laughs> Day actually because I was, Abby and I were at the bar with Megan Maroney and her friends. She doesn't even know That's this. That's right. They were down in the, at the beach. We were down there at the same time and they texted us and they're like, hey guys, we're like doing the St. Patrick's Day. And she's like, half our age. So they can, you know, they just got out of college. I feel like they can drink on a different level than Abby and I. We're like, ah, oh, we're kind of tired. It's like three in the afternoon. We're getting ready for bed already. They're like, come down to the bar. We went out of the bar. It was a long day. We'll just say that. 
they they were having a good time. We were too. And Jason called. It was raining. It was a whole thing. It was nowhere quiet. You know, St. Patrick's Day, people were popping off. And I like stepped outside. I was like, hello. And it was, and he was like, how would you guys like to be coaches on The Voice? I was like, this is, I can't tell anybody this. Yeah. So I, I couldn't even tell Abby for like four more hours. Dan ran into the bar. He's like, listen, everybody. Yeah. Have you guys heard of The Voice? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, no. <laughs> like, no, no, that's cool, man. We're, we're grateful for the opportunity. It's been fun so far. Let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai, if you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome back to the Bobbycast. Two questions left. You and Abby opened a room at Wags and Walks, the Pet Adoption Center. It's in Hermitage, right? Yeah, and thank you guys for contributing in such a big way for so many. You know, it's it's amazing, man. What you guys do to help out with Wags. So what's what what's happening there with the physical situation at Wags? Because for a long time there really wasn't one. Yeah, it was all foster based. So you know. And that's a tough thing, man, trying to find fosters, especially some of these dogs are in really, really tough situations. And, you know, we've, we've done the hospice foster thing where a dog's only given, you know, a couple months to live and 
I mean, that's that was one of the hardest things we ever had to do. And there are a lot of great people out there who do that. But up until I think maybe a month or so, it was actually the night we re- released Save Me the Trouble and announced the album. It was like the most chaotic moment in our household. They'd been working on fundraising for years now to open up a brick and mortar center. Um, and it's unbelievable. I mean, the amount of people that donated, that chipped in, that offered their services, you know, for these fundraisers that they've done, just absolutely incredible. This town really rallied for them and they busted their asses. Her, Catherine, everybody on the team at WAGS really worked hard and they've saved thousands of dogs at this point. You've been to these fundraisers. I mean, they're, they're doing the thing. They open up a spot and it's just unbelievable. They've got like all these kennels where dogs can decompress safely, quietly. They've got veterinarians who are donating their time that are there at all times, 24 seven, taking care of these dogs. And it's a really beautiful thing, man. It's awesome. And they've hosted a couple of adoption events and I think it's a really good, Abby's actually there right now. Really? Yeah. She's One of our dogs there. is from there. Yeah. For those listening, they don't know. Um, Ellers from Wags and Walks. Um, okay. Final question. And which is just going to be a word, but what's the, what's the word that you would assign for each other right now? at this stage it's just one word mm. and here's what I want to do so you guys don't hear each other's word and then change it you're going to say it at the same time and it's going to sound like a real cluster but then we'll go back to it okay so this is my word for Dan for Dan right at this stage of you guys' career friendship life what's the word you would assign to him same for you no hints mine's kind of I have it in my head. It's kind of weird. I'm going to have to explain it after. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's good. We'll have good. time to explain it. Well, yes. Like I did the other night on stage. Uh, about my, uh, we'll tell that story after we get off the, the hardest man in country The hardest music. man in country music. <laughs> I, let's get it out of the way. Hold on. We got to say it. The other day I was trying to, Dan said something very kind on stage. He was like, this is my favorite singer in all of music something like that. And I was trying to hype him back up. And I was like, I was like, man, you know, if we're handing out compliments, like y'all make some noise for a, uh, I was trying to say the hardest working man in country music, but this is in front of like 18,000 people. It was like our biggest sellout ever in New Jersey. And I was like, y'all make some noise for the hardest man in country music. <laughs> and and I was like, like oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, he said it. He said it. And so I had no idea that I didn't say it, that I, that I said that until <laughs> afterwards. They were dying when I got off stage. Like you said the hardest man in country music. So that was weird. Um, so that would be my word for you. It was hard. Yeah, that hard. would be yeah. hard, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll think of a better one. Ready? Um, Oh, God. Okay, give me a second. I'll give you a second. We got nowhere to go. It's true. Did you see our pool? Like, there was a crack in our pool. All the water freaking went out. Is Are that what's serious? happening? Yeah. Do you, yeah, you see it was low? It I saw it was a little low. I was up. like, man, no, no, it's it, hot out. It was completely empty. No Because way. like a rock had got caught in no like a way. tube or something. And again, they're a much bigger problem, but I'm just giving you a story. Are you filling it back up? Right now. Yeah. And it takes That'll days. cost you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, people are like, oh, but it's fancy. No, you take a water hose and you put it in it and you turn the water hose on. Dude, when we were filling up, I'd never had a pool. We're just going to keep going for hours here while you yeah, think yeah, of your word. I'm thinking of a good one. I'd never had a pool in my entire life. And John Esposito, Espa, you know, formerly ran Warner Music Nashville, signed us to the record label. One of the greatest mentors, one of the greatest friends we've ever had in our entire lives. Um, we both grew up in Western Pennsylvania and no one had a pool. There was one kid in our high school maybe who had a pool. He was the rich kid. Both of us, we bonded over this. It was like, Growing, I asked Espo one night, we'd been hanging out in his office, drinking McAllen. I was like, when did you like know you made it? Because he's had an incredible career. You know, he's been all over the place. I was like, when did you know you made it? And he was like, being from Western Pennsylvania, it was when I got a fir- my first swimming pool. And he's, he's not wrong. It's like, I knew nobody who had a pool. It was just the rich kid or whatever. And I was like, that was like, because I don't spend any money. I'm so frugal to a fault, to the point where it's like detrimental to my life. But- <laughs> 
we built a little swimming pool in our backyard uh, when we moved into this most recent house. And I got in a raft when we were filling it up. We same deal, put the garden hose in, thought about asking the neighbors to throw their garden hose in to split the water bill a little bit. They wouldn't know what hit them. And I sat in a raft as that thing filled up for hours. There's a video, like a time lapse of me just coming up deep just rising. in. Just rising, yeah. dude. It was crazy. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. You good, Jay? I, I got my We've done pool talk. Yeah. Done All right. pool talk. Here we go. One, okay. two, three. Grace. Proud. Okay. Wow. Let's go. Dan, I'll start. said proud. Go. Proud. It's because I'm proud of you. And that's a weird way to do this as a word to describe somebody else, but I truly am. I'm so proud because I've seen it firsthand, probably only second to your wife, you know, like I've seen your growth as a human being, as a friend, as a singer, as a musician, as a participant on this earth. I'm proud of the work you've put in and I'm proud of all the progress that you've made. You're a changed man. I mean, and it's not just the physical appearance. It's just the way you approach life. It's the way you approach our band everything about it. I feel so happy to be alongside you on this journey and to be your biggest cheerleader. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. Thank you, dude. Yeah. And your well, first round was erect? What was it? Hard. Un- un- I was hard. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was, was it erect? Erect. Is that what you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that I was going to tear up. It's, allergies are bad here. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they are. are. It's yeah. something about this room. I, I, I chose the word grace um, for many reasons. I You have shown a lot of grace to me over the last 10 years of waiting for me to finally get to this point, um, and you've been ahead of me in that in that game of of health and all these things, but you've also shown yourself a lot of grace, which takes a lot of guts uh, to be able to do. I know from just going through this myself, it's a very easy thing to kind of put yourself down and, and be like, you know, this is mistakes that I've made in my in my past, and this is because I've have felt this way as well. But things that you've that you've done and 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 decisions that we've made either together or whatever it is that you feel like affected you know the rest of your life and I've just watched you deal with that and have grace for yourself and kind of forgive yourself for you know thinking a certain way or whatever it was and having grace on me and and also receiving grace um, from your wife and from my wife on both of us I feel like grace could be described for kind of the journey that we've both been on but. I'm super proud of of the journey that you've been on, and thank you for having Grace with me. Love you, dude. Finally getting there. Love you, dog. Doing it. Okay, so whenever you're listening to this, it's if if you're listening to it on the day of, album's out in a few days. People listen to this thing forever. Album's out now. Just pick whichever one of those little selections of my voice you'd like to have. But it's called Bigger Houses, September fifteenth. Um, it's 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 great. You know. I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I would just say nothing. Thank you, man. Thank you. I wouldn't lie. Like, I just it's, wouldn't uh, say it. it's out. I would just go, yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's out. I do a whole bit in my, in my stand-up. We just shot a special last weekend, and I do a whole bit about what I do if an artist comes in and plays and they're not good. Yeah. And what I say and how I have to say things. And I kind of talk tell the audience like what they should listen to me for. Do, you, uh, do yeah. you worry about that like with artists that are coming in now too? I'll just change it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just now that. I'm gonna go yeah. listen to it. It's like mm. he said that in our podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What the hell, Bobby? How are you doing, man? I, I know you're so yeah. good at bringing the best out of everybody else, but I don't know if anybody ever asks you that. You work harder than anyone I've ever known, and you, uh, I mean, you got sports podcasts, you've truth. got music podcasts, you're doing the stand-up show, selling out all these big theaters, you're doing still doing the morning show. I mean, that's so much, and among other things. How are you doing? I'm tired. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but we're about to take a break, so. It's amazing. And if I would take a break, I would just stay here and sleep. Yeah. But we're going to go on a trip. 
There you go. And that, so, nothing says rest like travel. That, well, I don't have kids, though. I bet it's <laughs> a whole different true. monster yeah. with kids. That's true. But, I, you know, that's for a whole other podcast. Sure. You know, called the uh, DanCast. Let's go. Like, yes. Let's go. See, we'll next come time back we, get, we, we need to interview we'll you. We'll flip it. a whole bunch of questions. And you guys just have me here crying. I always wonder because we have to go do one little thing and we're like, oh, man, I'm exhausted. Can we get like a ginger shot or something to wake us up? And, but you're going constantly. I think this will just be relatable content to us three and even Mike who sits here. Is that I? Uh, you just have to adjust, and like I wake up in the morning, I hate it. Mm-hmm. I never wake up and feel great. Sure, never. Not one time at three o'clock in the morning do I wake up and go like, "Oh, what a beautiful morning!" <laughs> yeah, ever. But I get better at doing quality things. Not as when I, when I'm not feeling my best. So then when I am feeling my best, God dang, I'm rocking. Yeah. So then I just try to feel my best more. So then once I'm able to see how good I actually am when I'm just crushing it, I try not to kill myself all the time because I feel I can really do exemplary work. Yeah. So, but it's taken me to really just drive myself into the ground to realize just because, just, just doing things for the sake of doing them and having a bunch of stuff, not as good as doing stuff really well. Sure. With a few. Or things that matter. Yeah. And yeah. I'm really trying to dial in on things that I really love doing more than, sure. I'm not, I've turned down four or five TV shows that I'm like, you know what? Maybe, but I may just hate it. How do you do with breaks and with rest? I don't. I don't. don't. Same. I, I'm, it's hard. I'm insecure. That's why. It's not yeah. because I feel like I have a lot to offer the world. If I don't work, I feel like I lose momentum. If I lose momentum, how am I going to get going? Momentum is a big thing. Because I feel like, yeah. why would anybody want me if I'm not popping? So yeah. I got to stay popping. So I got to keep going. Not the healthiest, but I'm the healthiest I've ever been because my wife has really absolutely yeah, been there. And I mean, we fight about it sometimes. Yeah. Where she has to like, oh, you're out of your mind. You're you're, you're working too much. You're crazy. <laughs> yep. You're and I'm like, you don't understand. Yeah. And I turn into a child. Totally. You don't get it, mom. You don't get it. Like, this yeah. is all mom? I do. Yeah. she's yeah. like, okay, when you're dying, do you think people are going to care about that you needed to go out and, re- and do this TV show that's, you know, about the great... Like, no, you don't even want to do it. So if you don't want to do it, and we don't need the money, yep. and it's not really... Why do it? Yeah. So, yeah, pretty good. We can I start crying now. Yeah, yeah. Come on. That's what this it is, is till the ah. end. Uh, I'm super happy for you guys. Love you guys, Thank obviously. You, We've kind of all... us three we kind of all came in the same time it's kind of the class we're getting older but smarter and um at least it's going that way because it could be like here we are older and dumber and (laughs) a lot less successful than we were when we met and we could be having this conversation with no microphones yep and you know no nobody listening and these mics are hard dude <laughs> the hardest, hardest mics in country, country music. music. We did it again. Oh, we did it again. Dude. Oh my god! I can truly okay. say that you have the most erect mics ever. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bigger houses. You guys check it out. Dan and Shay, love you guys. Love you, dude. <laughs> Thanks for listening to a Bobby Cast production. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time 
every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.